And with that, we once again welcome you back into another episode of the One Giant Podcast. As always, I am Adam Armbrecht, and over there is Andy Makowitz. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm going to make my first attempt at getting a haircut for myself. Oh. And I've been holding off. It hasn't been pretty, but I think it's time. It's time for me to, to, to shave these flowing locks off at this point. I had uh, – I'd actually – Courtney – my girlfriend did the, did the assist, man. She was back there, did a bit of an undercut, trying to just maintain the image, as they say. And that's about as far as I've taken it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the next phase is. But thankfully, I uh, I don't have to go too many places right now. So you know, I'm gonna let it ride and see what happens. Uh, at the end of the day, we come in with a midweek update, and uh, to be fully transparent about it, Andy and I had a long conversation about different things that we wanted to cover from a Giants perspective. Obviously, as we are that type of podcast. And then also understanding that there is something going on in the country. There's a movement going on in the country right now that we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge it. And because both of us, I think, um, have have a sense of of perspective on it and feel like it's something that we have been having discussions, whether it's with your wife, Kelly, or me with Courtney, or just people in general. This isn't uh, anything that should be excluded out of what we're doing here. So um, that, that being the case, obviously, we're referring to the murder of George Floyd uh, a week ago and the the protests, the rallies and the outcry that has come from not just the black community, but from all communities in a effort to bring more attention to it, spotlight the disparity between uh, some of the different demographics in this country and a need for change. Specifically from the Giants organization, Andy, they did come out with an official statement around this. And I know you you, you have that there in front of you. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, the, the Giants came out and made a formal statement uh, about the death of George Floyd. And I feel like, you know, it's relevant to Giant fans to hear um, kind of the pulse of the organization. So I'm just going to read it out loud and then, Adam, I'll, I'll give a pause and you can start giving me your thoughts. George Floyd's senseless death is the type of tragedy we have seen too often for far too long. Over the past week, our players and coaches have talked about the hurt, the pain, the frustration, and the anger. Each of us is feeling some or all of that. We continue to talk about what we can do to help unite and heal. More importantly, create real opportunity and meaningful change. We have a responsibility as citizens to work in a constructive way. What we do to make a difference is what is most important. We have the ability to advocate for social justice and sustained change. We know that to make lasting change needs to start at the community level. That's why we are committed to continuing to strengthen the alliances we have with groups like the Vera Institute of Justice, the Newark Bronze Shield, the Bronx Defenders, John Jay College of Criminal Justice, RISE, and our local law enforcement agencies to understand and support each group's good work. We continue to expand our relationships where we can have a meaningful, positive impact and make a difference. And and, and those are um, thoughts that have been shared by, I think, a you know, number of organizations within the, within the sports community and obviously beyond sports as well. It's... Um, I think it's an important thing. We also talked about this before we started. It's important that organizations like the Giants, uh, the NFL, the NBA, all of these avenues do come out with what feel like very definitive 
very progressive, very acknowledging statements around what's going on and the issues that are being brought up during this time. Uh, you mentioned, you know, my, my thoughts personally, uh, and I, I said to you, I had this uh, discussion a little bit with Doug Norrie uh, on my other podcast for the Nets. I, I think the, the most important thing that I feel out of this so, so far, and there's still going to be more things I'm going to take away from it, is just the sense of everyone's need to take a step back and understand that your life experience and what you have had in your life is a unique perspective to yourself, and you may not be able to understand or fully comprehend what another person's life has been like and trying to find in whatever way possible to connect with, communicate, engage in dialogue and discussion with people from other backgrounds is the best way to to educate yourself and to start to understand the things that need to change, the areas that need to improve. So it may go beyond what feels like a very obvious thing. And it doesn't make, it doesn't make it good that it's obvious that racism is systemic in our society and in our culture and and it exists every day. But beyond knowing that and acknowledging it is what can I, what can I do on a day-to-day basis? How can I continue to bring attention to it? And how can I continue to help elevate voices that do have the legitimate day-to-day perspective on what issues are so rampant right now and what needs to change. I think that was pretty well said. Uh, I, I don't think I need to dive much further than the sentiments that you had, but I think the, the one thing that I want to get out of this is, or I think that the country hoping to get out of it is real, meaningful, long lasting change. We've had, you know, from the L.A. riots in 1992 to Abner Luima in, in New York City, you know, a few years ago, it seems like this happens every f- couple weeks, months, years, and there's outrage and things like this happen, and there's peaceful protests, and then there's rioting, and there's looting. There's a whole sort of 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 things and actions that happen, and then a week goes by, and it kind of leaves the news cycle. And we all of a sudden have things happen again. And so, you know, the the one thing that I'm thinking about through all this, and maybe this one's a little bit different, I I hope it is, um, but I I just don't want all of everything that's happening to be for naught. I don't want this to be forgotten after it sweeps through the news cycle. And it happens again, like Groundhog Day, in, in a different scenario, different situation, different town, people are outraged about what's happening and no systemic change has ever been created. So I... For for me, that's kind of what I'm thinking about is what is going to actually change and how can we change it as opposed to just, you know, I mean, the whole idea of condemning racism. Like, yes, I think it's fair to say that everyone can condemn racism, but what does it actually mean and what actions need to be put in place to, to be able to move further away from that? So for me, the, my big takeaway is. I just hope that this leads to something different or else we're just going to be back in the same spot in two weeks, two months, two years. Yeah. How do you, ma- how do you maintain it? Right. How do you maintain it and ensure that you said, like you said, that it does bring about change that it does bring about. And that, that includes policy reform, right. And allocation of funding and what that looks like uh, on a, on a national level as well. So it, it will be interesting to see 
interesting is the wrong, really the wrong word. You know, it'll be, I, I'm hopeful to see where it continues to go from, but keeping it in the public conscious, I think is massively important to ensure that until you see those things implemented, you do continue to advocate for what is needed. And, and Adam, kind of just moving away from, from those thoughts, I, I want to tie it a little bit back into, into sports and hmm. we'll talk about how to handle things. Do you know how not to handle things? There's been there's been some there's been some really poor examples of of the wrong way to to address these type of topics right now. I'll give I'll give you one right out of the gate, and that's Nick's owner James Dolan, who released a statement to his entire MSG employee base, and said that they are not more qualified, and I quote, than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. And so when you think about you know, I had I had some discussions with people that said, why does every organization have to come out and make a statement? Like, mm -hmm. of course, everyone condemns what's happening. Of course, no one wants senseless death, of course. But like you say, of, co of course, but then the people that aren't making statements are people like James Dolan, who are like, I'm not qualified to even give an opinion. You're like, well, that's that's not the answer I, I think that anyone was looking for, um, especially, you know, it comes out that the players were furious. Um well, with that yeah, and there, and, and I know that that was that was the the, the leaked internal communication because there was you know a, a a call for a public statement by the Knicks, and there was an internal explanation given by Dolan to to the organization, and by all accounts, and this has been discussed kind of you know in the public forums on the radio and stuff that that Dolan has always been very supportive of his of his employees, of his players, and all of those things. And to your point about having discussions with people that say, is it necessary? To, to make these public statements when, well, of course it's understood that, that, that I, that I don't condone racism, but unfortunately that, that, that is a part of it. A part of it is saying, well, then go ahead. You know, you can get into that conversation about are can these things feel generic at times when you make these statements around it? Maybe it does. It certainly can, right? If it feels like it's a PR punched up kind of, kind of statement, but it also makes it very clear that the Giants organization, that the Brooklyn Nets organization, that all of these you know sports organizations have a very strong stance on this thing. And I think that, uh, you know, we may think if, if you feel like you're on on the right side of this and, and understand the need for change, we may think that it's very much understood. But there are demographics in the country that don't realize that it should be understood or that maybe have perspectives that could use ed education and conversation to help steer it in the right direction. And, and that's why I think you see players having frustration with James Dolan and, and why it's, it falls a little bit tone deaf when, when you, when you fail to have, have that information out there for people so that it's clear and understood what the stance is. Well, and, and of course, after all the backlash of people being like, what on earth are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, sending that message, James Dolan sent a follow-up email to everyone say, saying that he vehemently did not like, uh, is against racism and denies racism, you know, and, and really put, put a forward statement on it. But it's like, it almost feels like that ship sailed once you send hit send on that first email that like the second one is just for, to, to cover yourself from all the media backlash. Right. Well, and I will say too, what's inter it's interesting because once once there's an issue there with a, with a lack of response initially, uh, Dolan, the next organization, falls into a difficult position, right? No, no matter what they're going to do from there, it's going to feel like they're trying to rectify a mistake, and it always ends up in murky water. Uh, but the head coach, and his name will, will escape me right now, of the Denver Broncos, 
came out with that statement, you know, and he was giving an interview and everything that he was saying was right. He was, he was saying all of the right things about the need for change and addressing it. And then I think if you went back and asked him, I don't, you know, he, he, he would probably say, I, I, I thought I was communicating something in a positive way, but he went ahead and said in the NFL, we don't have racism which again fall, falls on deaf ears it, or it, it it says that you are tone deaf to what's happening. And there was a, some very poignant remarks from Jalen Rose this morning around that comment where he said, you know, listen, within a locker room, within a business, people are going to put certain things to the side in, in pursuit of a common goal. And some things aren't necessarily going to bubble to the surface inside of a sports locker room. That doesn't mean that they don't exist. And the idea that you're going to say, you know, the NFL or that a sports community is the ideal model of society where these things don't exist. You can say that it, it, that it elevates a better version, right, and better communication, but to act as though it is a utopian culture that you've created there is something that ends up, again, coming off like you're just not aware of what is occurring, let alone in your own locker room, but in the country as a whole. Now, the follow-up that I will say to that is this is what makes these conversations very important to be having because I don't think that he realized, you know, he didn't realize what that was going to sound like, right? He didn't understand the impact of those words. And these are some of, I, I would say, the low-level education processes that need to be going on for and it's for the white community, right? We need to be understanding how the way that we say something or the way we communicate things can have very, very real impacts on the ears that they land upon. And, and and it's okay. It's okay to make that mistake, right? And it's okay to have someone confront you on it and then say, be open and willing to get educated on that process. What you can't do, and he has not done this, is push back on it, right? You need to have a level of humility about yourself to know that you don't have the answers to these things. And by the way, you're not also expected to have the answers. Adam, you got to give me a second because I, I I know that it was part of a 15-minute interview mm-hmm. with Nick Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Thank you. I forgot his name. Yeah. But but I cannot fathom, the even if he thought he was good-intentioned, mm-hmm. when those words leave your mouth that there's not racism in the NFL, it's absolutely nonsensical. I don't know if I can sit. I'm I'm going to try to articulate this as best as I can. So Chris Carson, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks, basically heard about it. He's like, what a joke this is. You know, Mm -hmm. Quadrate Diggs on on Seattle was like, yeah, what is this guy talking about? Like, if you you honestly believe that there's no racism in the NFL, then I just have one question for you. How can the NFL have 70% of their players be black? And yet only three coaches, less almost 10% of the coaches and the head coaches in the NFL are black. Mm-hmm. Like how, how on earth can you not reconcile that there is a problem between those two? The NFL itself has already come out and said that there is problems with inherent racism by creating things like the Rooney rule to mm-hmm. make sure that minority coaches have an opportunity that they would not normally get to be able to interview. And so for Vic Fangio, who has, you know, been a journeyman, he basically was on his own soapbox complimenting himself. He basically yeah. said, it's all about meritocracy in the NFL. And what he's, what he's basically saying is if you put your head down and you work hard just like me, then you, then you get to the top of the mountain. 
And what he's being so ignorant about is the idea that just because he didn't face hardships or he ended up getting to the top, that other people facing other issues that are involving race can do the exact same thing that he did and they will Mm -hmm. never get to where he is. And that's how oblivious he is to these things. He's like, we don't see color here in the NFL. We just, it's all merit based. It's like, dude, the NFL has created rules around this because they know it is. And so it's just so unfortunate. And especially like how tone deaf that is probably for all the players on his team. I can only imagine some of the fun conversations he's going to be having in the next couple of days. Well, and by the way, that, that, that notion of, we don't see, we don't see color, right. That that's something that was a sentiment for, for a long time in this country. And then it was, yes. And that is inherently, is inherently racist to be the idea. I'm not asking you. And I've had this conversation with Courtney. We're talking about it is, you know, no one's asking you not to see that, 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 that someone is black or that someone is brown or that some, you know, or that I'm white. Like no one, no one's saying that it's saying, Look beyond, it's, you know, yes, I'm black and that there's nothing wrong. It's fine. It's good. There's qual. I have qualities the same as anyone else. And this, uh, take a, just a second here. That idea to your point of, if you put your head down and everyone works hard to make your way up that mountaintop is the premise that everyone is standing at the base of the mountain where you were when you started this. And that, so one that they're there. And they're not maybe 20 miles away from the base of the mountain and that they're walking up the same path of the mountain, right? You're going on a hiking trail and they are traversing a much different terrain in order to achieve the same goals. And you even mentioned the Rooney rule, which is something that is also being looked at and being said probably needs to get dismantled because the premise behind that is saying we need to elevate these individuals not just because on merit, right? It's a, so what needs to be dismantled is the idea that they're not qualified to be given these opportunities on their own basis, that they need to be forced into a doorway to have you say, even though you may want to hire Coach X, you need to look at these other candidates because they are black, because they are Native American, because they are whatever whatever background, right? As opposed to saying they are qualified. Look at the qualifications on the, uh, on this head coach on this assistant coach and get them in the room for it. And that I think is the more, that's the societal dismantling, right? That that exists in, in the mental makeup of, of everyone. And it's not, I'm not isolating myself or anyone else from, from that thought process, whether you realize it's active or otherwise. And that's what I think uh, th- this hedge coach fell victim to is exposing some of his thought process and not realizing what the true nature of that was. I mean, it's, it's as simple as, even if you talk about the Rooney rule going off the side, they were literally talking this offseason about potentially giving a third round compensatory pick to teams that hired minority coaches. Like if that doesn't scream to you that the NFL is identifying that there's something wrong and they're trying to find a way to fix it, like whether or right. not the whatever answer, the solution is, right. Right. I don't I don't know if that's the answer, but clearly that is an identifying factor to say it is broken. We need to try something else to fix it. And, and and Vic Fangio coming out and saying, well, I don't see it. It's not here. It's just burying his head in the sand, you know? Yeah. And you're probably, you know what? And uh, again, in some level of wanting to, um, to promote, not understanding, uh, you know, some level of understanding of maybe someone doesn't realize the words that they're using because anyone can be victim of that and then trying to educate them on them. But 
the more that, that you highlight some of some of the way that he was speaking, it is it almost almost that mentality of well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And if it, to to put that to put that as the premise out is very much the, the, I keep falling back on this term, but like the level of tone deafness that you have to the issues that are occurring. If you think that you go, hey, we're good in here. I know I know society has a problem, but somehow it has not permeated into this one this one area of sports. He said it's a meritocracy. And what that means is that he, just like everyone else should, earned his way to the top. Mm-hmm. And it's completely based on everyone being on neutral ground. Yeah. What not understanding is that is not where everyone starts. And yep. like, it, and, and the fact that he doesn't see that and he wants to compliment himself saying, he's basically saying, I got here on my merit. So everyone else should do the same. He's just missing the entire whole, whole reason why the Rooney rule or some of these compensatory picks are being talked about to begin with. And so it's unfortunate. I think we can move past Vic Fangio and we can talk about some of the good things that are happening. Um, you, you look and you see guys like uh, you know Lonnie Walker from the Spurs. You know after all all the the riding and looting, he came out the next day and was p- trying to pick up clean glass, power wash. You know things that had been spray painted. You're seeing a lot of different players. You saw Jalen Brown drive 14 hours down from Boston to Atlanta to be a part of the peaceful protest, just to say like he's you know he's so young. He's like I don't I don't know what else I can do, but I'm here. Like I got to try to do something. And you, you see this all around you know, the NFL, the NBA, and all the major sports teams is everyone's trying to do their part and, and be a part of it. Deshaun Watson was, was at, at the, the peaceful protests in, in Houston earlier today. And, you know, it's it's just relevant, you know, as, as a NFL Giants podcast, it, it is good to see these players, you know, using their voice and, and a lot of them using it in very positive ways. Yeah. And, and even beyond, I'll say even beyond the NFL, just because um, into some of these other uh, other sports as well, just um, you know, Greg Popovich from the Spurs, very, very outspoken on these issues um, and something that during this, both he, uh, Steve Kerr, they've been highlighted as individuals, prominent white coaches in the NBA who have always been at the front of these types of conversations. Both of them com- came out with very strong statements. They are a part of, and I'll, I'll forget to, me- I'll, I'll forget, I want to make sure I remember who, who was, who was leading this. Um, but they've started now a coalition essentially in the NBA to address these same type of issues in the communities beyond the NBA itself. Uh, and so being on the front foot of this, being progressive, being thoughtful about the ways that you can do it. And again, whether it is being a player, like you said, being players that are going out in the community to show their support to the communities that they're a part of. Uh, Saquon Barkley posted up an image w- with an alternate jersey. And I know some you, you can say that these feel like these are difficult. These are difficult times. And these images are going to elicit just a difficult thing, right? It's this idea that he has the alternate black jersey that says, I can't breathe on it. And because it's trying to keep that sentence, that phrase, that plea from George Floyd to a police officer to not murder him in the forefront of people's minds. So I've been I've been happy to see I've been happy to see how many athletes have come out in it and how many positive positive conversations are coming from it. And I, they and they they said this as well. And to your point that we talked about at the top about. Uh, a need a need for change and hoping that this doesn't go away one of the things that s- feels different in this particular instance is that the the black community both uh, 
across the country and through athletes have said, we also need the help of the white community. We also need the help of other white athletes. And you've seen a lot of white athletes start to be more outspoken about this. And that's another element of it that I think is important. Again, you and I are talking about that we have an obligation to speak, to certainly speak about it. And that's go, it goes to the highest levels because right, wrong, and different right now, those voices can carry even more weight to continue to make sure that it doesn't fade away in terms of the public consciousness, right? If not only black athletes, but every type of athlete continues to carry this conversation forward, especially as these seasons start to get back underway, uh, the playoffs, you know, you know, the NFL is, is supposed to be coming back. Then that means that it's going to be in the forefront of people's minds that much longer. And I will say this has been brought up before too, that all of a sudden you think back to Colin Kaepernick and what he, this is, this is what he was trying to express. And I will say, and people have mentioned this too, it feels like a very important point. When Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee, it was specifically about addressing the brutality that the black community faces when engaged by the police. And that thing was very quickly derailed in public conversation around the flag and around patriotism and, and all of these other things that aren't aren't the issue at hand. And likewise, you have seen some very low-level instances and some 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 bad things have happened. And I'm not a proponent of violence in any form, but there's been some very low-level instances of violence during these protests and rallies. And I won't go beyond as to who the, you know the perpetrators of it. But then those conversations start to go about the right or wrong way to protest, the right or wrong way to speak out about something. And it detracts from what the issue is. So, you know, to that end, when people say there goes social distancing, you know, amid the COVID pandemic. Yep. Some some things are bigger than that. Some things aren't about whether or not I may get sick. You know, I may have an issue with with family members or friends or people that I come to contact with. That's okay because this isn't something that gets to go away. And I'm not going, I'm not going to get distracted on that conversation. I'm not going to get distracted about saying that a business was, was, was broken into. It's not a good thing, but it's also not what this is about. And this is about a level of anger and pain and hurt that a community is experiencing that is pushing to this place. And again, those communities are not necessarily the ones that have even been committing some of the looting and the vandalism that you're hearing about. So keeping the focus on the issue at hand. So, you know, shift, shift, speaking about Colin Kaepernick, I, ha I haven't I have a two prong question for you uh, to to kind of circle around on this. First is, do you think that the current environment is now making it a possibility that a team can sign Colin Kaepernick? That's first question. And then second part of it is the NFL season is going to start up, it looks like, in September. And there are going to be people that are still ongoing with their protests. Do you see the players in unison kneeling? Do you see them coming up with a new way to do this? There's not going to be fans there, so it's going to be strange. So my, my two-part question is, one, does this open up Colin Kaepernick to potentially be signed without as much backlash as some of these owners thought there was before? And two, like, what's the protests going to look like when sports actually come back? So to your sec to your second question first, I think that if players want to take a take a knee as the symbolic representation of this when the season returns, you're not going to see any type of backlash against that. 
I, I think that already that perspective is, per, perspective has shifted, and this has, and this is what makes it tragic is that because someone was murdered, now it will be okay to express yourself in that way. When Colin Kaepernick was doing it in the in between violent acts. That wasn't acceptable because it wasn't heightened enough to, to, to validate it. So I, I think that you will see these things carry over. And I think that from ownership, from the NFL leadership down, you're going to see a very different response to it, probably much more akin to the way the NBA has been on, on this, where they have been a fairly socially progressive league supporting their players when they want to be outspoken. As far as Colin Kaepernick goes, um, there's another side to this. and it, So it's two parts. One, for the most part, I believe that the him being uh, being ostracized from the league was an optics-driven thing, right? I, I think it's a money-driven thing. Owners didn't want to lose out on patrons coming to their games because they were against what Colin Kaepernick was trying to speak out about and getting it muddled into that uh, that conversation. The other side of it is directly connected to what we're talking about. Some of these owners may have some of the problems that they need to overcome that these protests are speaking to, right? This this idea that if you had had Tom Brady take a knee, there's no way that anyone would have said mum about that. But because it was Colin Kaepernick and because he is black, that struck a chord with certain ownership groups. That struck a chord with the league overall. I don't know to, to what percentage it's driven by the money, which usually is the overbearing factor, or things that may have been driven by, and this is we talk about systemic racism, the 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 unknowing, right? The with a lack of awareness that choosing to ostracize Colin Kaepernick for these reasons is a was a form of racism in its own right. So I, I don't know how that needle moves now. I think that there's plenty of teams that specifically did it because they didn't want the bad press around it. And then the question becomes, do any of those teams have a need for a quarterback? Then I think there are other ones that maybe don't need a quarterback and will be able to default to that as an explanation why he doesn't get anywhere. I I would like to think, which becomes a very minor footnote to this, that maybe Colin Kaepernick does, it, it does find himself back in the NFL, even as a backup quarterback, as some level of repair to what he went through while trying to, to bring attention to these issues. Well, I, I think from a, from a, purely play perspective you know Colin Kaepernick uh two things one his QBR in his last season was ranked 22nd for that season in 2015 Mm -hmm. um so I mean he's he's not he's not the worst quarterback in the league he's not the best quarterback in the league but two-thirds though I mean he's starting quarterback he's he's technically his starting quarterback um so you know he's kind of there that's that's one you know discussion point the other is it's been five years since he played on an NFL field. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, for, for owners to be able to think about that perspective, it might be a challenge for them to say he is game ready and, and he can come in and compete. The last thing I will say is I think the, the, the challenge that we face in, in Colin Kaepernick's case is twofold. One, if you come back and you come back as a backup, does it almost lose steam to the, protests and you being ostracized by the league by coming back in and taking a smaller role mm-hmm. and two like you know because from from the sound of it it's been he will only take a starting job and he wants to be compensated for basically the time that he missed almost like 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 you know, 
giving him back whatever whatever kind of funds he missed by not being a starting quarterback. So I heard he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't accept anything under 20 million and being a starting quarterback. So I think there's just too many challenges with the political landscape for the ownership. The fact that he hasn't played in five years, the fact he wants to be a starter, what team's going to hand him the keys to, to the starting kingdom after not seeing him play for five years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he also, you know, from all the reports coming out saying he wants 15 to $20 million, whatever it is the going rate is for a starting quarterback. I think all those things will end up leading itself to him not being back in the NFL. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's an interesting thought to say like now that the, the temperature of, of the room has changed, does that kind of change anything for his playing status? Yeah, yeah for, no, for sure. And like you said, you wonder if there's any teams that, I mean, like it's like you think about like you know the Chargers just because all right, you have Tyrod Taylor, but you know the potential upside uh, while you wait for Herbert of maybe a Colin Kaepernick for a year, and even if it is a fifteen to twenty million dollars, you know, a, a year or two contract. Um, Miami, we've talked about Fitzpatrick before down there, waiting for Tua to come in. You know, so there, there's there's certainly teams or scenarios where he might find his route back. What I and what I would say too, and it, it, it's perfectly worthwhile to bring up the point about him because specifically uh, the the nature of how he left the NFL or was forced out of the NFL. And I would also say, as you've heard Colin Kaepernick speak about these issues time and time again, I would think that he's okay to not be in the NFL seeing that, that, that these conversations are progressing, right? Seeing the changes happening. And even if the validation is that, Hey, you were trying to bring attention to something that the NFL uh, and, that, and that, frankly, overall, society, our culture, our society was not willing to engage on. I know some demographic of the population was and was in support of it. But like I said, it very quickly diluted into something that was taken off track. And it was a lack of willingness uh, by the, the, the country overall to say, OK, let's 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 speak to what you're talking to. Right. Let's hear what you're expressing and let's dive into this conversation more and find out how we how we continue to move it forward and let's not get lost in this idea of the way in which you brought attention to what is a very real and legitimate issue yeah it's going to be on it's continuing as as we have this podcast there's going to be more developments there's different times of curfews and we're going to get more news you know from whether it be actual change that, that we talked about before um but I think as we get closer to some of the different pro sports seasons starting to heat up, you're going to hear athletes be more vocal. You're probably going to hear a lot more um, on on some of the different media channels from these athletes. And it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is of the general public. To have, you know, have things moved so far over, and this is different, that an entire group of people, everyone in the country basically says it's time for change. And I think we're going to find that out in the next two months. And as we said, when we started this episode, we weren't sure how, how far we were going to go with this conversation. Um, we neither wanted to belabor anything nor, nor cut it short. So uh, that being the case, though, th- this is where this episode is going to end for us. So uh, we did not get into any, any New York Giants updates or, or notes around that. Um, while I think Andy and I both agree that we are a, a sports podcast, a Giants podcast, and that's where the focus of, of what we do here is going to be. You can expect that as some things happen over the course of time, we will certainly touch on it. Um, And and again, I I think it just it goes back to the idea that we all are every single human being 
responsible for the way that we communicate, the way that we interact, the way that we educate ourselves, and we're also responsible for helping those who cannot speak up and be heard as readily as we might be able to, to highlight some, some of the things that are going on. Um, and and I'll, I'll just leave it on this too. I, I know, I think I've said it before in this, and I just feel like it's, it's worth driving home. I am not an authority on these types of conversations, and I'm not trying to present myself as that. One thing that uh, Courtney has been very good with, because she has done a great job of educating herself and connecting with individuals and trying to make sure that she is as aware and continuing to evolve her thought process on any of these issues, um, th- that's that's what I'm striving for, right, it is to just be aware and be willing to hear something and not shut it down or be dismissive, maybe based on some on, on pr- some pre-prescribed notion I have in my mind. I you need to have that willingness to accept that you might not know something, that you might not have been aware of something. And then once you take that in and you can try to digest that information, what can you do going forward to help avoid those issues, to help push that conversation, to help educate other people, right? This is about positivity in the direction of change. It's not about dismantling people or stripping people down, but trying to find a way to make sure that we all collectively open up our our, our minds a little bit to something that's been going on forever and needs to stop and needs to be stopping far sooner than it, than it, than it has at this point. Yeah. And I think you, you said it best with the one word of listen. And I think that's what you and I are, are committed to doing over the next days, weeks, months, years, however long it, it needs to be, you know, someone needs to be heard. Um, and I think going forward, uh, we will try to be focusing on news and notes for the Giants and all the fun stuff with sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'd be remiss if we if we if there are updates to the current climate and environment, if we don't at least acknowledge it. Um, but we certainly will try to get back to some some type of of cadence about the New York Giants. Yep. And, and with that, we will uh, we will see you back here the next time that we broadcast. Not sure when that'll be just yet, but uh, keep open minds, keep your hearts open, and just try to uh, try to love try to love one another. That's a, it's a silly sounding sentiment, but I think it's important, and hopefully that's what people are doing. We will uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you to uh, Andy for for diving in on this kind of conversation, an important one to have. We will see you next time here on the One Giant Podcast. <laughs>